Hello, Barry Wimbledon here. Welcome to this episode on how to practice optimism. I shall be outlining some of the benefits of optimism and explaining how an optimistic style of thinking can be learned, even if your natural disposition is decidedly pessimistic. I shall also add a few simple exercises to start you off on the road towards a rosier outlook. We hear a lot of talk about optimism, and it's often promoted as a sort of panacea, a cure for social as well as personal ills. Despite the banter between optimists and pessimists, you know the old joke about an optimist sees the light at the end of the tunnel, whereas a pessimist sees only the dark of the tunnel. Despite that, the research in the last couple of decades shows that optimists do tend to have significant advantages over their more fatalistic fellow men and women. There are compelling reasons to consider optimism as a key factor in well-being. These go far beyond the usual glib, glass-half-full type of ideas that are floated about or the entreaties of the positive thinking movement. Optimism has been shown to improve the immune system, prevent chronic disease, to help people cope with unfortunate news, and even to hasten recovery after illness and surgery. Optimistic people tend to be happier, enjoy life more, and see opportunities that others might miss. If you have an optimistic outlook, you typically receive more social support, deal with stress better, and are less prone to depression. Optimism is a key factor in resilience, and research indicates that optimism is linked to persistence in pursuing goals and overcoming adversity. There are now thousands of studies that attest to the value of optimism at all stages of our lives. From childhood to old age, an optimistic outlook confers all sorts of advantages. In short, optimists operate from the hope of success rather than from fear of failure. I don't know how you consider yourself to be. Do you lean more towards optimism or do you think of yourself as more pessimistic? If it's the latter, you don't have to give anything up to think like an optimist. You just need a few ideas to help you do that. On the other hand, if you think you're blessed with a high degree of optimism already, and optimists can sometimes overbelieve in themselves. I know because I am one. The exercises I'll talk about later will help you rein in your optimistic tendencies so that they don't get you into trouble or run away with you. Like any training, retraining your mind in this way takes a little effort and persistence. But as every optimist knows, things always turn out right in the end. Now, how does this phrase grab you? There is reason to be optimistic about the future. Just repeat it to yourself and think, mull it over for a moment. There's reason to be optimistic about the future. Notice your reactions. I don't mean the intellectual ones about where we judge truth or accuracy or realism for ourselves, but the subtle inner responses like emotion, bodily sensations, comfort, or possibly tension. You see, we all have automatic tendencies in the way we think, and they can result in a kind of intellectual wrestling match 
as our inner pessimist vies for supremacy over our hopes and aspirations. While this is going on, our ringside emotions are what really matter, for emotions have a big impact not just on feelings, but on how we engage with life and the outcomes we create for ourselves. Learning optimism and teaching yourself to use it by choice can have far-reaching consequences that go deep into your unconscious processes, and that helps to create emotional and physical resilience even if it doesn't suit you to take a positive outlook generally. Becoming more resilient should be of interest for its proven advantages when dealing with the unavoidable setbacks and adversity that life throws at us. By definition, optimism is about the future and thinking about the future makes some people uneasy. But since we're all going there, that in itself should be enough to make optimism worth consideration. Second, optimism brings real and tangible benefits. There are now thousands of studies that confirm that optimism and hope contribute to resistance to depression in the face of negative life events, better performance at work, and better physical health. You may not be one of nature's natural optimists, but optimism can be built and developed, and an optimistic style of thinking can be used selectively to help protect you from your own negativity. So the good news is that optimism can be learned. It's not a birthright. Sure, some people are more gifted with an optimistic outlook due to their natural disposition and upbringing. But this merely confirms the point. Though optimism may be partly due to character, it can also be nurtured socially. There are two key ideas that are essential to grasp when it comes to developing a more optimistic outlook. The basis for optimism lies in the way we explain events to ourselves, how we think about causes, Second point is, when bad things occur, we tend to ask ourselves why it's happened. We look for an explanation. So let me explain the first of these, how we explain causes to ourselves. It's actually called explanatory style, also called attributional style. I won't go into it in great detail here, but in a nutshell, people who generally tend to blame themselves for negative events believe that such events will continue indefinitely and will affect many aspects of their lives, have what's known as a pessimistic explanatory style. Conversely, people who tend to blame circumstances for negative events believe that such events will end soon and don't generalise the impact to other aspects of their lives, show a more optimistic explanatory style. So the way that you attribute and explain positive and negative events to yourself can impact your life in ways you may not realise. I said that there are two key ideas relevant to optimism versus pessimism. The second is the habit that many of us have to ask ourselves why when something negative happens to us. My advice is resist the temptation to ask yourself why at every turn. 
It's a habit of mind to search for meaning, but it doesn't mean that you have to put meanings to everything. Most events have no clear-cut explanation and speculation about questions which cannot be answered like why am I like this, why did I feel bad that day, why did I make a mistake, can only lead to rumination and going round in circles. By all means reflect on your misfortunes when it's a constructive process and when you can learn from them. But as an automatic habit of mind, it leads to self-blame and if you've spotted in this brief description, it also lends to the habit of attributing responsibility for events which were outside our control. We tend to over-identify with them and attribute responsibility to ourselves when we weren't responsible at all. That's not good for morale and it's a pretty pessimistic outlook. Well, there are well-documented and effective methods taken from positive psychology and cognitive therapy for building optimism. These work by countering the mind's less helpful habits and quite literally training it to think differently. That can take a little practice as the mind does what it knows best and returns to its well-worn habits until it's learnt some new ones. Developing new thinking styles means doing the exercises and changing habits using a trusting and non-judgmental attitude. You don't have to change your beliefs. You can still be a pessimist and think optimistically when it suits you. Just change your habits. Belief will come when you see it working. Becoming more optimistic is a matter of choice. We're all born with a certain disposition and our upbringing and early life experience will build on that. But we're not stuck with it. We can learn new ways of thinking that affect our outlook and our attitudes to life. Nobody is wholly optimistic or a total pessimist. These are neat categories, but we all have some of both. And between the two extremes is a wide range of degrees. Where we are on that spectrum is something we can change, if we think it's necessary and if we choose to. Though the modern world, especially the world of work, seems to place high value on thinking positively and a can-do attitude, this shouldn't eclipse the value of more cautious styles of thinking and acting that can get people labelled as negative or pessimistic. There is no value judgement implied here. I'm not suggesting that it's morally good to be an optimist or that it's bad to be a pessimist. It's insidious that it creeps into the workplace like that and often people who express a slightly more pessimistic or negative view about something or preach caution are criticised for that and that's unfair. The main message here is that optimism has its advantages and we can choose how we view the world and our experience. This is about teaching your mind to change its automatic habits. We don't usually give much thought to how we go about the business of thinking, and so our thoughts do what they will. When you choose the way you think habitually and replace unhelpful patterns with more productive ones, you'll start to retrain yourself to a default outlook that is more optimistic.
Now, as promised, here are some optimism exercises to help you get started with changing your thinking styles. You'll find more on my website at www.barrywinbolt.com. The first of these exercises I call Review Your Successes. It's very simple, just take five minutes a day, usually before bed at the end of your day, to list your successes over the past 24 hours. You can write these out, you can take a little time and treat it as a reflective exercise if you like and just allow the ideas to emerge. A success is anything that went right, even small and seemingly inconsequential things. This is about retraining the mind. Small day-to-day -day events work for that just as well as the huge and notable achievements. If ideas of failure start to creep into your thoughts, just ignore them and scurry on back to your successes. A second exercise would be to learn visualisation. Creative visualisation is the practice of using your imagination to focus on a desired outcome by creating a strong and believable image. There's nothing new or strange in this. And in fact, you use negative imagery, most of us do, to achieve the opposite all the time. We imagine the worst happening and surprise, surprise, it often does. To learn how to use visualisation to focus on positive outcomes, it's best to set some time aside each day for regular practice. You could also practice mindfulness. You can learn mindfulness from any number of online courses, and there's a free one on my website at barrywimbolt.com. Just go to the online courses menu, and I have a short introduction to mindfulness that is absolutely free. Writing three pages on waking each morning helps to empty the mind of unwanted detritus and clarifies thinking. Julia Cameron, originator of the idea, says, Morning pages are three pages of longhand stream of consciousness writing done first thing in the morning. There's no right or wrong way to do morning pages. They're not high art or even proper writing. They're just about anything that flows out of your conscious and unconscious thought processes, anything that crosses your mind, and they're for your eyes only. So resist the temptation to hone it, edit it. It's really just let it all out. Morning pages help to provoke and clarify, to comfort, to prioritize and synchronize the day at hand. It really does help when you make it a regular habit. I was sceptical at first until I was introduced to this by a writer I respect and hey presto, it worked for me. So give it a go, it's really useful. And by the way, any of these things you can find on the web if my descriptions aren't sufficient for you. Another exercise would be to define yourself. Now this is quite tricky for some people. It can feel a bit uncomfortable as well, but make a list of activities and achievements that you think define who you are. Your job title, a favorite activity or pastime, roles that other people see you in and so forth. And then rewrite it. Just get it down to a sentence or so and hone it until you have a snappy strap line. A little bit of humor helps here, a little bit of tongue in cheek. Remind yourself of it regularly. By the way, you should feel comfortable once you've written it. You've got to be able to own this. 
And the final little exercise here is look forward and plan. I think this is particularly relevant when we're going through a bit of a difficult time. It involves giving shape to your ambitions by clarifying them and writing them down. Do one thing each day then that takes you in the right direction. Now it's quite a hard thing to actually dare to believe that you have a particular ambition. For example, I'm a writer. I didn't write my first book until I was 40 because I felt embarrassed. Everybody wants to be a writer, don't they? I knew I could. I'd been told that from when I was at school. But I could never actually overcome my own doubts. As soon as I started describing myself as a writer in my own mind, I was much better able to get on with it. So we have to own the badge in a way it relates to defining yourself, but also giving shape to our ambitions by framing it, writing it down, and taking one small step towards that ambition each day. If you're unable to move because you're restricted in some way, because you haven't got the resources, or because you're not able to actually get on with it yet for whatever reason, you can always be learning something that will help you with that ambition a bit later on. These exercises can help you break free from the knee-jerk defensive responses your mind wants to conjure up for you. Repeat them regularly and your progress will be automatic. And change will happen without you noticing. So go for it. But before you do a final word. The enforced lockdown that many of us are going through at the moment may be terribly inconvenient but it doesn't have to be all bad news. We will all be changed by this global crisis, but the restrictions offer time for reflection, insight, and even planning for some of the things you told yourself you would do one day or when I have time. This is a good time to reflect on how your life could be improved for the better once this is all over. Things may never be normal in the same way, and now might be the time to learn from experience, learn about yourself, and begin planning how you would like your life to be once freedom is returned to us. Thank you for allowing me to share these ideas with you. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear them. Just send me an email at info at and I'll answer the questions in a future episode. So that's all from me, Barry Winbolt, and this has been Ideas to Get a Better Handle on Life. Have a good week. Goodbye.